Hello there, and welcome to another edition of Insight Peterborough. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, otherwise known as the CCB. And if you'd like to find out more information about the CCB, including when our meetings are held, of course they're all virtual now, but uh, uh, we do continue to hold meetings and uh, we're making tentative plans for the summer, hopefully. So uh, you can uh, send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Well, it's at about this time of year that the Pedal for Hope, the uh, campaign to raise money for pediatric uh, cancer, would be getting underway. But this year, of course, they can't, uh, the police officers can't go riding, as they would still very much like to do. So, the campaign is going virtual, and you can participate. I chatted with Police Sergeant John Townsend, and he tells us all about it. Well, hi there, uh, John, and welcome to the program. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Can we begin, maybe, uh, can you give us a little bit of history of Pedal for Hope? As you probably are aware, uh, Cops for Cancer has been a national event uh, across the country uh, since the early 90s. Um, It started out in Edmonton with a sergeant at the Edmonton Police Service that uh, was addressing the issue of bullying in the schools. That's actually how Cops for Cancer came to be uh, so long ago. And a little little six-year-old was uh, going through cancer treatment and he was being bullied by his classmates because uh, as everybody's aware when you go through cancer treatment one of the big side effects of course is that you uh, have a chance uh, to lose your hair through chemotherapy uh, so that happened to this uh, this young boy and uh, he went to school he was in grade one and when he got to school of course his hair was falling out he was in the middle of his cancer treatment and the class uh, didn't understand at that time you know uh, then. Nobody really uh, understood, especially when you're a kid. And of course, he was bullied and made fun of. Uh, so he went home and actually uh, refused to go back to school. So the Edmonton Police Service got this, uh, got wind of this, got this information through his parents or however that came to be. And a sergeant at the time, Sergeant Gary Goulet of the Edmonton Police Service, decided that he was going to get a bunch of police officers to shave their heads and uh, take this little boy to school and try to uh, to show the kids that being involved is cool, uh, having cancer is not contagious, and, uh, and it's no reason to bully the kids. So they did that. They put Lyle uh, in the car, took him to his school, and uh, from there, Cops for Cancer was launched. Uh, that year it became a huge uh, campaign across the country where police officers would support kids with cancer uh, by shaving their heads, raising money, and bringing awareness to pediatric cancer. We fast forward uh, decades later. I became involved 
in early 2000 here in our community as uh, the Cops for Cancer liaison here in Peterborough. And we were trying to figure out a way to uh, re-energize Cops for Cancer and it run for, for almost two decades and uh, we were seeing a decline. And so we tried to figure out a way that we could show the kids that we were still there, we were still passionate about the cause. So we come up with the idea of Pedal for Hope, and Pedal for Hope was a way that we found where police officers could do as much work as the kids do in the fundraising. So Pedal for Hope uh, was initiated. Uh, we were, in 2005, we started our very first Pedal for Hope tour here in Peterborough. Um, I recruited 10 other police officers in the area that wanted to hop on a bike and ride uh, for the, the next 15 days um, visiting schools. Uh, we did that the first year. When we started in 2005, we had no sponsorship. We had we had no vehicles. We were basically, I call us a, a ragtag bunch of police officers that just hopped on their bikes and, and tried to make a difference. That first year, we visited 30 schools in 2005, and uh, we had a goal. I, I set a goal that if we can raise $30,000, I'd be happy. It would be ecstatic that we could raise that kind of money for the Canadian Camp Society. Uh, Devin, we actually had raised $30,000 by the start of day three wow. on that day. Uh, our community embraced Pedal for Hope. The school community and school boards were absolutely uh, fantastic. By the time we ended... Uh, our 15th day of our first year, we had raised $101,000 for pediatric cancer, which was absolutely phenomenal. That was in 2005. We are now, you know, in 2020, we're 16 years later. Uh, we went on uh, to raise to surpass the previous year's amount for 15 consecutive years um, to the point where last year we're averaging about uh, $350,000 a year is what Pedal for Hope raises. So we've come a long way in 15 years. We've, uh, we've raised over $5 million um, for the Canadian Camp Society. And that is created here in our community. That's created in Peterborough. Uh, we've expanded um, in the last uh, five years. Uh, we've had the pleasure of having other services join us. Uh, we've always had, uh, we started with Peterborough Police, friends from the Ontario Provincial Police and uh, the RCMP, um, but we've since added in Durham Regional Police has a fantastic uh, group of cyclists down there that we do an entire component down in the Durham region as well. Um, and just recently last year we added in Metrolinx, which uh, everybody doesn't know, it's actually the former GO Police for our GO trains and rail safety. So we have, uh, you know, we've attracted other services. We've grown. We've blossomed. Uh, we've managed to secure some phenomenal sponsorship. Uh, it was it was crazy cold uh, the first year, and uh, we sat down with uh, a local company here, which is Shimano Canada. We are so fortunate that Shimano, and I, I this will be the only time that I plug a sponsor. Um, on live radio, but Shimano Canada, um, their head office is here in town, and they are the world's largest cycling uh, company and fishing um, in the world. If you have a bike, you most likely have Shimano components on it. This company 
terrific. That's wonderful to hear. So now this year, though, you're going to have to go uh, virtual, um, thanks to uh, social distancing being necessary. How is that going to change the uh, the campaign? Yeah, this year, you know, we're in unprecedented times. Uh, we, you know, as a police officer and uh, and a family member, I mean, we're dealing with things every day that we've never had to experience, and we have to adapt. We have to change the way we do things and kind of think outside the box. Um, we talked about it at the police service, and I know I've talked about it through uh, Pedal for Hope that, you know, sometimes things that we adapt to now and we think outside the box, when this is all done and over with and we get back and we move forward, uh, we may look back and say, you know, some of this stuff was actually worked out well and it made us better and and, uh, and we have better ways of dealing with things. So so we're, we're adapting for sure as a fundraising organization. Um, we initially thought that we would just postpone the tour um, and just uh, re, you know pick it up in 2021. Mm-hmm. But then we sat down as a team and we discussed uh, we just discussed a number of variables. Of course, fundraising dollars always come in to play. Um, there are programs in place that are 100% funded by Pedal for Hope uh, from Canadian Cancer Society. We we give out grants to research doctors, and they count on our money. Um, so it's hard to get away from the fundraising part. Uh, there were a lot of other variables that I'll talk about. The fundraising thing kept coming back. Uh, we 100% fund the doctor in British Columbia, the University of British Columbia is doing amazing work. Dr. Nielsen is working on sarcoma cancer. And, uh, and your listeners uh, might not know what sarcoma cancer is, but and I don't claim to be an expert in every different area of cancer, but I do know that if I say to your listeners that it's uh, the Terry Fox cancer, um, they will understand and they will be able to relate a little more to uh, individuals that lose limbs um, due to uh, sarcoma cancer. Dr. NBC is doing amazing work on trying to reduce, uh, you know, the amputations and stuff like that with the cancer treatment. And that, his work, his team out there in BC is fully funded by Pedal for Hope. Uh, we've made a commitment, we made a commitment two years ago to fund his work uh, for four years, so we have two more years left, and it's a million-dollar endeavor that, uh, that we're doing. We also have a, we launched the very first uh, family counseling program in uh, for the Canadian Camp Society for Pediatric Cancer uh, survivors and their families. This has never been done before uh, right across the country. 
counselors, the psychologists are all familiar with the cancer treatment. They came from the cancer world. They're very knowledgeable in that uh, every facet of the cancer treatment. So they know what the kids are talking about. They know what the families are going through. It's not just an independent counselor that may not know what that child's experiencing. These individuals are doctors and psychologists that are actually from the cancer field. So, so we were able to launch that, and that can be done. And when we talk about virtual, it's kind of interesting that we started it. Um, we started the counseling program last year, but one of the things that came up was, well, we have a child in Halliburton that is having problems at school, and they want to get some peer tutoring, they want to get some counseling, they want to get some ideas. They can't drive to Peterborough every day or every time that they want to do it. So our counseling program that we started last year is actually, you can do it virtually, you can do it by Skype, you can do it by phone, you can do it on the internet. Um, so we were uh, kind of ahead of the game in a sense when we started the counseling program. Yeah. But, that, but that's fully funded, again, by Pedal for Hope and, and the fundraising dollars that the kids raise in the school um, goes to that. Now we hope that uh, we started the pilot project here in, in Peterborough and Durham, and that will expand hopefully uh, across the country as we see the success. And there is already some success stories in there. So getting to your point, Devin, I know that was long-winded, and we're still talking about the virtual campaign. That's okay. Uh, the fundraising part is important, but we also, when we thought about the, the idea not to cancel the tour, to change it to a virtual uh, campaign was also the kids in the school. There is there is hundreds, if not thousands, of kids across Central Ontario that every year look forward to the Pedal for Hope team attending their school. We have been told hundreds of times that is it is the best assembly that the kids go to yeah, throughout the school year. So we know that the kids are passionate about us being in the school. Mm-hmm. But there is a group of kids that are out there, a group of students that use Pedal for Hope to honor their loved ones that they may have lost to cancer. They use it to support their friends that are going through cancer treatment. And they do it because they just want to raise money and they just want to help out the community. And we didn't want those kids to miss out on that opportunity. Um, so when we put the fundraising part aside and we said, yeah, the fundraising is important and we'll raise what we can. We're, we know realistically we're not going to raise, you know, $350,000 this year. It's just not going to happen. It's, uh, you know, with what's going on in the communities, with what's going on with uh, families at home, we know that finances are huge right across uh, the country and everybody um, – is struggling, that is impacted by what's going on in our community with COVID-19. Uh, we can't we can't uh, deny the fact that uh, that families are struggling financially. So we know we don't want to hound people. We don't want to we don't want to make it all about the fundraiser. We just have set a modest goal um, this year that if we can cover off some of our commitments, then we will be ecstatic. But for me, as captain of the team, uh, it's more important for me to honor the pledge that we have uh, with these students, that we will still uh, remember their loved ones, we will still remember the kids in the community that are currently uh, still 
great time. I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time in front of the computer, though. Uh, it's not uh, part of my regular job. I, uh, I'm still a patrol sergeant on the road uh, with the Peterborough Police Service. But on my days off and on my time off, I find myself sitting in front of the computer uploading videos and pictures. And actually, when you called me today, I'm sending out our very first um, statement to our participants on Warrior Wednesday. So Warrior Wednesdays a day where we get to recognize a cancer survivor. So we do a little uh, feature on the cancer survivor on Wednesdays. So we have some really great things going on with the website. Uh, we, we want it to be interactive in the sense that kids, uh, participants can send in their videos and send in their stories and we will get them up on our website as soon as we can. Uh, we have um, an interactive component where, like I said, I'm sending an email out to the participants, so we really try to have that communication where we're not going to see you in the schools this year, but we're going to do our best to have team members email you and kind of uh, support you and recognize uh, what you are doing in the community as well. So, so, so we've come up with uh, kind of a plan, and I think it's working. Social media is helping so pretty good. Uh, we're on we're on quite a few platforms. You know, of course, Twitter and Instagram and uh, the uh, everybody's favorite Facebook page, <laughs> and of course our, our website. So we uh, so this week uh, we kind of launched our week of theme days. So everybody, so there's something to look forward to every day. If you're a participant, you can go to the website or you can get an email that is gonna you know gonna make you want to know what's going on, what's going on with the team, uh, you know, the team's training. The, the virtual part of uh, Pedal for Hope is we're spending a lot of time on stationary cycling bikes because uh, the team is still expected to ride. So we're still trying to get uh, the distance in, uh, albeit it is on stationary bikes. We're not riding as a group. Uh, you know, we, we'll go out to ride individually uh, or in pairs, but uh, keeping in mind that social distancing thing, it's really uh, changed the way we do stuff uh, lately. So uh, so on the website, uh, very soon you're going to see the actual team riding on stationary bikes and trying to get those kilometers in. So, so today's Warrior Wednesday. Um, you know, we started yesterday with terrific Teacher Tuesday uh, because really that's that's the, uh, the driving force behind those students. Uh, we couldn't do it without the school's help. Uh, we couldn't do it without the teachers. They're the ones that organize the schools for us. So we just go in and, uh, and look like superstars. And really, it's those teachers that are doing a lot behind the scenes. So we uh, so we created uh, terrific Teacher Tuesday. So yesterday, a post went out uh, recognizing four teachers. We'll do that every Tuesday until the end of the campaign. Today, like I mentioned, is Warrior Wednesday, uh, and tomorrow, uh, Thursday, is Throwback Thursday. So, like I said, the team is in its 16th year. We talked about how we started. We had no equipment, no 
great charities in the community. So they don't fundraise for us, but they definitely uh, cheer us on and support us. And they're the kids with the signs and the banners and, you know, and just so happy to see us. Uh, we want to recognize them as well. So we have fantastic Van Friday. And then, of course, we, uh, like we mentioned with Shimano, we can't do it without our sponsorship. So we've dedicated Saturdays to our uh, sponsorship Saturday where we get to recognize all the businesses in the community. The one thing that, that is uh, we really cherish uh, a couple things with our tour, and I already mentioned the one, is that team members don't get paid to be on the tour. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we take our own time to participate, and a lot of the work comes that I, I have here from you folks, uh, you talk about uh, uh, virtual challenges for the participants. Uh, can you give us some information on that? Yeah, yeah. so we are going to uh, be releasing some challenges. And again, this is a way we know we're trying to help out mom and dad at home because I'm sure kids are going stir crazy right now. Um, they've been inside, they've been cooped up, most of their sports, uh, if not all, have been canceled or postponed. So we know that kids are running around seeing the nice weather and, and uh, probably going a little stir-crazy right now, same as mom and dad. So, so we're going to start hopefully getting kids interactive and doing things around the house that will uh, respond to our challenges. And it's very easy. We know with technology, you know, what? Yeah, decades ago, Devin, when I said I wanted you to videotape yourself and send it to us, that was a huge endeavor. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have to pull out mom and dad's camcorders and set stuff up, and then who knows how you get it from the, the tape to the computer, and then right. you got to email it. So it was crazy. But now it is so easy for kids. Kids are continuously videotaping themselves and posting it on YouTube and all kinds of social media platforms. Smartphones have given us the technology that a video is so easy to do. Yes. So we are going to send out the challenges, and kids are looking for stuff to do these days. So there is going to be all kinds of challenges that go out from team members, um, and they're challenges that have to do with uh, with Pedal for Hope Assembly. We, we always... You know, ride into the school and we are greeted by, you know, hundreds if not thousands of students holding posters and banners and signs. So there will be a poster challenge to create your own poster at home, take a picture of it, send it to us. We are going to put it up on our website in our poster gallery. There is going to be challenges on beach balls because we always start our show off by throwing beach balls into a sea of kids, which... I like to call organized chaos. The te- teachers don't seem to think that, but, uh, you know, we always say if we are your assembly on a Friday afternoon, the teachers love us. If we are your assembly 
on a Monday afternoon that teachers absolutely just think we are crazy because now they have to deal with the kids all week after we've been there. So, so it's interesting, but we always start off the show by throwing beach balls and have a, a little bit of fun with some beach balls. So we're going to have a beach ball uh, challenge, and uh, the kids will have to check into our webpage and see when that challenge is released. Uh, we also have, of course, our head shape challenge, which is our signature event. There are quite a few kids that we already know are signed up online uh, to shave their heads. That is a big part of our tour. That is how the money uh, is raised for the most part through fundraising is fundraising dollars to shave uh, your head or cut your ponytails uh, for the little girls that uh, we have a lot of girls that have shaved their heads and shaved it completely bald to support loved ones or support friends that are going through cancer. But we also realize that uh, not all girls uh, want to do that or want to go down that road, but they still want to donate their ponytails. They still want to do something uh, to make a difference. Uh, the ponytails get used. We, get, we send them away and they actually get turned into wigs for the kids that are going through cancer that want to actually wear a wig. So, uh, so little girls uh, or big girls or ladies, uh, lots of them, uh, if your hair is over 12 inches long and you want to cut off 12 inches to donate for, uh, for wigs, then uh, videotape it. Videotape uh, donating your ponytails, videotape getting your head shaved, and we're going to put those up on our website as well so that individuals and participants and the community can uh, check in and see uh, we'll make you a social media star. So so lots of challenges. There's uh, there's a lot more challenges uh, on top of that, Devin, but some of those are going to be surprise challenges that we send out. Right. But, uh, but I think the message to the participants and the message to the community is sign up uh, through the Canadian Cancer Society to participate. Um, you don't have to participate to visit the website. Um, you can definitely visit the website and check out everything that's going on and kind of see what's going on in the community. Um, but to take advantage of the challenges, to have your content posted on our website and social media, you actually have to participate in the campaign. So we do ask that if you are, if you do expect to have your head shape video uh, posted, then you have to actually sign up to the Camp site and be a participant, which is very simple. You can do it through our website. I know uh, at the end of the show, or when you're ready, Devin, we'll uh, give out a couple Okay, that sounds good. Okay, so when is the uh, campaign uh, running for uh, for Pedal for Hope? Well, right now we're in the uh, pre-campaign stage, which is always our recruitment uh, for participation. So that's why we're sending out all these uh, awesome interviews. And again, I thank you for having me on the show and able to uh, to speak about our cause. Our actual campaign will run from. May 5th through till June 4th. And uh, like I said, the, the dates, the details, and all the information that your listeners need to know is at pedalforhope.ca. Well, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, you've given us a lot of information, and it sounds uh, like a very exciting uh, month uh, ahead. It is. It's, you know, it's, and like I said, I, I don't mean to ramble on, Devin, but uh, like I said, there's so much 
we're having so much fun with the virtual tour that we want 100% we would rather be in the schools today. Mm-hmm. I would rather be cycling and rather be uh, in the schools having assemblies. But what we've learned from the virtual tour and the interaction with the kids and the challenges, um, I can already see that in 2021 when we go back to our physical tour, I would like to keep a lot of these components where kids can still come online and participate and still get that interaction with team members. This, some of this new stuff that we've had to adapt to, uh, we may just keep in our tour because uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, let me know if there's anything more we can do to uh, help during the campaign. No worries. I appreciate it, Devin. I'm Devin Wilkins, and you're listening to Insight Peterborough. And uh, I was just speaking with Sergeant John Townsend, and I'm sure you'll join me in wishing him and all of the officers and anyone who participates in the virtual Pedal for Hope campaign a very successful campaign because uh, we need to raise any funds we can to fight pediatric cancer. Well, at some point, someone somewhere (laughs) said that the last Wednesday in April was International Guide Dog Day. We don't know who that someone was or any of the history because try as I might, I just could not find any history of the origins of this particular day. But on April 29th this year, people around the world will be celebrating International Guide Dog Day and uh, taking time to uh, appreciate what these dogs do for us and all the people that make it happen, like puppy raisers, kennel staff, trainers, the just anyone who has anything to do uh, with turning those silly pups into the wonderful guide dogs that they are. And because there are six guide dogs in our local chapter of the CCB, we had asked uh, the mayor, and she had graciously agreed to uh, meet us at the uh, front steps of City Hall and uh, proclaim Wednesday, April 29th as International Guide Dog Day here in Peterborough. And then we were going to go over to, we were going to walk in a procession over to uh, Peterborough Square and uh, have an information table. But... COVID-19 took care of putting the kibosh on those plans. However, if you go on CCB Peterborough's Facebook page, you'll see uh, pictures of us working 
with our dogs, and uh, you'll see some information there as well. And also, as part of our celebration, I thought it would be fun to talk with somebody who uses a guide dog, and uh, this is uh, someone that I've known for ages, and uh, her name is Barb Robinson. So here's my chat with her. Hi, Barb, and welcome to the program. Hey, hi, Deb. Uh, when I, you and I went to school together years and years ago, it seems. It's almost 57 years in September. Yeah, that's true. Um, you had a fair bit of sight Has at that time. Has your sight diminished since then? Oh, for sure. I had... I was just under the border uh, of being not registered blind uh, when I was at school. Uh, but even when I knew you uh, as, a, as a kid, you uh, really liked dogs. I did. We, uh, uh, my mom and dad, as a young person, had a full running kennel. Uh, we... As a really young child, uh, my mom and dad showed, uh, had show dogs. And then we got out of the show dogs and just raised good quality registered dogs. Okay. And you, you did a lot of breeding over the years. Yes. Uh-huh. We sure did and all kinds of different breeds. Uh, a, a, show comes on TV with a certain breed of dog in it, and on the TV it's a hero, so everybody wants that type of dog. It takes three years for you to get your breeding pair up and running really good, because you only usually will breed your dog once in a year, or even 18 months if you want to stretch it out. But you got to keep up with the TV shows, and that's really difficult for kennels to do that because they're always changing. Right. So your dad was totally blind, but he did not use a guide dog, and I guess it's a personal choice whether you walk with a cane, a white cane, or use a guide dog. Uh, and he preferred... Not to have a dog? Yeah, much to <laughs> my surprise, actually, that my dad preferred the cane. Uh, I think because he worked in a factory, so it would have meant the dog wouldn't have been in a safe surrounding because of where he worked. Uh, he worked in the General Electric, so uh, it, his surrounding areas were not safe because it was... Some of the places in the plant were very, very hot. They were working with hot equipment and ovens and stuff like that. So he, but he was a, an exceptionally good traveler. He lots of times didn't even use his cane as far as to guide him. He, he knew where he was going and Look out, here comes Earl. That was sort of a deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, when was it that you decided to get a guide dog? Well, uh, 
my friend Devon and a friend Sandy. Uh, they were having a, a conference in London, Ontario, and we went down, and that made my decision for sure that I was going to have a guide dog. And uh, when I saw the dogs and... I I don't know how many schools were there, lots to choose from anyway, and I limited down to say, okay, this one I like, I like the the policies of this one. So anyway, I ended up choosing Leader Dog. And you've had uh, quite a, ver- a variety of breeds over the years, haven't you? Yes. For guide dogs, I had a a small black lap for a very short time uh, because he got attacked on the street twice. Uh, It made him very, very aggressive to other dogs. Uh, But when he got to them, he didn't do anything. It was like he was ready to kill them when he saw them. But when he got up to it, he did nothing. But it was dangerous because he would pull me out uh, a couple of times. I ended up out in the middle of water. Or, uh, Elmer Street was once and out in the middle of George Street because he saw a dog across the road. Ooh. And I almost got hit with a car a few times. Ooh. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had to go back to the school and be reprogrammed. And that was absolutely killing to me. Yeah, it would be. So then what happened? Well, then I got uh, my second dog was uh, a golden retriever named Abby. I had her 11 years. Uh, And I lost Abby uh, with a brain tumor. Uh And then I... I went, I was, I was down at the school and training with Tootsie, and it was five weeks after I got home that I lost Abby. Wow, that's... Oh, that was a, that ripped my heart out, I can tell you. Yeah. Because I didn't know. It was, it's very difficult in the best of times to make that transition from one dog to the next. And what uh, breed is Tootsie? <coughs> Pardon? What breed is Tootsie? And Tootsie is a standard poodle. She started out black, but because she's 12 and a half, almost 12 and a half years old now. Oh, no, I guess she's not. She's just 12. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I keep thinking, wait a minute, she's 12. She turned 12 in March. Yeah, yeah, she's only a month <laughs> she into just, her. She just turned 12. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She was a beautiful black poodle, but now she's, uh, like the rest of us that are getting older, she's gray. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, you have applied to um, train with... Uh, I have now applied. I cannot get a guide dog. So I have to train now with a service dog. Okay. And I'm going to Oakville for that. Yeah. But because of... uh, COVID-19. That blessed virus that that interferes with every facet of our lives, uh, I'm kind of on hold now until... 
it's okay for us to trade. Okay. So we'll be backlogged because I, I just received a letter from Oakville saying that the March, April, May, and June classes are on hold, so that means all the rest of us that are waiting are still in the, in the line, but they'll take those four, four months of classes, and I'm sure they're going to fill each class to the capacity just to get as many, you know, out and working as possible. Yeah, get caught up. And catch, yeah, and catch up because now they'll have a backlog with the the puppies that are ready to go to their foster homes, the puppies that are in foster coming that should be coming back to the school, and then the the puppies that should be going out with their with their new partner. So when you had a a, a guide dog, what was the most irritating? thing that people, you know, members of the public did when they uh, encountered your dogs? I think one of the most irritating is they click their tongue, and when the dog looks, then they say, oh, your dog shouldn't be, shouldn't be looking at me. And I said, well, if you shouldn't be clicking your tongue to, to distract her. Yeah, yeah. To distract them, you know, because... I've had three dogs. Yeah. And dogs, after all, they might be trained as guide dogs, but they're not robots. They're, 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 they're dogs first and all. Yeah. They think like a dog. They, they're well trained, but they still are a dog. And the click of the tongue or the pat on the leg is the person is, you know, either passing you or coming towards you. That means, oh, they want me pet. I want. They want to pet me. Hello, hello. I'm ready to. I'm ready to say hello to anybody. I'm ready to play. If you and want ready to. to play too, if you, if that's what they would like. But that's pretty dangerous, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. If I wish people would think before they do it, but you know they see the dog coming and it's looking so pretty or. Handsome, whichever the you know the the sex of the dog be. Yeah, <laughs> we can't have a pretty a pretty male dog. No, no. they have to be handsome boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would be like uh, trying to grab hold of the steering wheel in a car. Exactly, because they're they're starting to veer toward the person that's uh, distracting them. Yeah. Mm. It's like uh, using a, a phone when you're behind the wheel. Exactly. Because you're not paying. You're the, not paying. The, the dog isn't paying attention. The dog isn't paying an attention, and Devin should know really well about uh, what happens when dogs don't pay attention. Because yeah. it cost her a broken arm. I broke my wing. Yes, it I did. Fell off a loading platform. You did, and that was just because the dog was distracted. Yes. Just for that split second, but yep. it still happened. And that's all it took. Yeah, so, I mean, terrible things have ha have happened to other people. Oh, for certain. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, is there anything else that uh, people should know about uh, 
guide dogs uh, what to do and what not to do in that sense. Well, one of the things I encounter a lot is people allowing their children to run up to the dog. Every guide dog does not like children. No. They're not, if they're not, Tootsie does not like small children. No. She's not in, like, uh, there's no small children here in my house that she lives with daily. Uh, she wasn't raised in a house where there was children. She was raised on a farm. I mean, she learned to tolerate children because the lady went to church and, t you know, shopping and all those other things that we all do. <coughs> Excuse me. But... Uh, she was not raised with children, so she she isn't used to them. No. And people just think because they're a working dog that they should like all children or should like everybody. No, they're, they don't. If they're not used to it, they don't particularly care for it. Tootsie's never snapped at a child, but she she would prefer that they not touch her. Right. Even my little nephews, she doesn't even like them particularly. <laughs> no. <laughs> she gets on the bit now that they can't reach her, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're still too small to be able to reach her. No, well, Carter now can probably get on the bed after her, but. Oh, yeah. So what should people do if they would like to interact with a guide dog? What should they do? Well, first approach the person. Don't talk to the dog because the dog is going to say, oh, I'll say hello. Talk to the person that is walking with the dog and say, may I pet your dog? May I have my children pet your, pet your dog? Then it's up to the person that's using the dog to say yes or no or, uh, well, wait till I have my dog sit or whatever your situation that you would like your dog to be doing when people say hello to them. But, you know, don't don't just rush up to them because they're like every other strange dog. They're still a dog, and they uh, don't like everybody. And the person might be busy doing something. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've heard you say yourself, Devin, that... You're trying to do something at a at a, t a counter, like and, and to sign and, checks or yeah. and to write your name or something. And somebody's you know making eye contact with the dog, and he's pulling the other way to to say hello to whoever's talking to him yeah. or, or gesturing to him. Yeah, I've seen it many many times when I've been with you with with the dog, you know, people trying to talk to him while you're at the counter trying to get your your money out or your, you know, your cards or whatever, or putting money away, and he's pulling the other way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it isn't just necessarily tr when you're traveling. Um, no, it can be as simple as you're standing at the counter trying to put your money away or get yeah. your money out. Yeah. And somebody's distracting them. So, you know, if you just think about it for a second and say, 
Oh, wait a minute. She's busy for a second. Maybe we can pet him, Kathy, him, or him or her after she's got her money put away or whatever. Yeah. Or if you just ask, I can say, well, hold on a minute. Exactly. And, yeah, and then I'll... Just ask the owners because they know best how their dog will be. I I know I'm I'm dreading... I'm looking forward to getting my new dog, but I'm dreading that first few weeks of, no, you can't pet the dog. No, you can't pet the dog. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because but people do it anyway. I mean, they still... I remember having... They still you, reach out and touch your dog whether you say no or not. I remember with my first dog, I had a fluorescent orange sign saying, I'm a working dog, please don't pet me, and it didn't do one thing. You might, you might as well not even have those signs. And I, okay, I'm going to be the devil's advocate, I guess. I'm going to say I don't like the sign because as as clients at most of the guide dog schools and service dog schools, we don't pay one nickel toward the price of our, getting our dog. It's all those folks out there donating money through Lions Clubs or whatever other organizations. So I, I kind of feel, yes, I need to share my dog, but I need to share the dog on on safe time. Yeah, that's right. Because that's what I'm dreading about. <laughs> Getting my new dog to say, no, I can't let you pet her or him because... Yeah. He's new or she's new. Yeah. Uh, she needs to only listen to me right now. Yeah. In a few weeks' time. Give yes. me give me six weeks <laughs> and, yes, you can pet my dog. Right. I will make it available that, you, yes, you can pet my dog. Yeah. But for that first six weeks or so, and it depends on the dog. Tootsie and Abby were very, very good when I just said, leave it. They just turned their head away and walked and, you know, kind of said, okay, let's go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Well, as you know, I have tried and tried to find out the history of International Guide Dog Day. There's a lot on the website about the history of guide dogs themselves, but uh, of the day, I, I could not find any history but I do happen to have some facts here. Um, and this came from an article in 2x4, which is the quarterly newsletter of the uh, Guide Dog Users of Canada. I was going to say, isn't that, is that not your school, is it not? No. Oh. No, um, that's uh, Canadian Guide Dogs. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, Guide Dog Users is just our, our whole big group of... Yeah, it's, it's uh, an organization for handlers to uh, join and get peer support or or to help educate the public or advocacy or whatever. But here's some interesting facts. There are 5,000 dogs in the United Kingdom, and most of them are from uh, guide dogs of the U.K. And the U.S., has 13 schools um, and 900, sorry, 9,019 active teams. Wow. Of those, 501 
teams are up here in Canada. Well, Tootsie's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> From the States. So that leaves 8,518 working teams across the United States. Mm-hmm. Here in Canada, we have five schools with 542 working teams. So if we add the 501 teams with dogs from the uh, trained in the United States working here in Canada and 542 teams with dogs here in Canada that were trained here in Canada, that gives us a total of 1,043 working teams in Canada. Uh, of course, the stats always change. Well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and there are 104 members of Guide Dog Users uh, of Canada, um, which is 10%. So, you know, that's not too bad, I guess. That's not bad because there's probably lots of people out there that don't still don't know about the magazine or the... Or don't even know about the the little organization. Yeah, yeah. We have all we have to keep doing is plugging away at educating the public out there and saying, you know, please ask the owner. Yeah, that's all it takes. Because the dog, the dog will say yes every time. Oh yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Well, thanks, Barb. Appreciate uh, that. And um, as I say, International Guide Dog Day is next Wednesday, so early happy International Guide Dog Day. And a happy International Guide Dog Day to everyone. Well, I think we were all affected by the terrible killing spree that took place this past week. And so I thought it would be kind of fitting for us to find our way out of here with the help of Catherine McKinnon and farewell to Nova Scotia. Have a good week, and we'll talk soon. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. Let your mouth be
Thank you, Mom.